0: Hey, New Patient Group Nation, welcome inside the broadcast booth. Brian right here and welcome to season four, episode number seven. Going to be talking about, you know, we've been on this culture kick lately. We did one that was about the best marketing investment you'll likely never make. A lot of unbelievably great feedback on that one. We are still getting text messages, phone calls, just saying, hey, that has really changed my perception about everything related back to the experience we're trying to accomplish at the office. Something so simple yet not not thought about. So really appreciate the shout outs there. We've talked about the the biggest experience that is missing from your office. Uh, that one was previous to the previous podcast that was talking about the one before it that is so exceptional about the one biggest experience left out and it tends to be uh, what we all talk about is that leadership experience. How's the experience for you as a business owner? Everybody talks about, you know, your employees and your customers, patients, clients, which they should. But the one thing that hardly anybody talks about is what about the experience for you? So that's a good one. Got a lot of shout out there. And, And lastly, we talked about this last podcast was about retaining high level talent, the people that you're hiring, how you how you define it, and then how you keep people and how you set your business up in a way that actually gets rid of what we call the crap, okay? How do you organically get rid of the people that you don't want and retain the people that you do want or you should want? Today, all of those really lead into a great one today. Today, we're gonna be talking about the five keys that makes a successful employee or a high-level employee, all right, how you can be a success with having the right people but the question is, is who are these right people? How do I know somebody, if it's make-believe named Janice, working in my office, what makes her an exceptional employee? Because these, these guidelines that we talk about, at minimum, they need to hit all the ones I'm going to be talking about today. It can't be a deal where, eh, you know, she's great with the patients, but everybody internally on the team doesn't like her. It's got to be the full shebang, all right? We're going to talk about five keys to making sure that every one of your employees need to hit all five of these keys. And also, whenever you're interviewing, these are five things you need to determine, do these people, do these job candidates, do they fit these five essentials? If they do, you cannot believe the skyrocketed growth you can have as an organization without spending money on marketing, which is what we teach here. How do you dominate inside your doors? How do you dominate organically online to where you literally never spend a dime on pay-per-click the rest of your life? You turn your community, your, your customers, clients, patients into your fans, not patients, but fans of your business, not clients, fans of your business, not customers, fans of your business. How do you do that? to where they become your sales force, to where you grow, you kick your competitions behind while spending and stressing significantly less than them. Today's a big piece of that, okay? The five things that make an exceptional employee, and that's gonna go right along. If you haven't listened to the last one, make sure you do, because it's gonna really tie in today. And before we get started, let's... Welcome to the new patient group podcast where doctors office managers and other healthcare professionals learn how to thrive in today's competitive marketplace by mastering the business consumer and marketing aspects of the practice if you want to make more money dominate the competition while working spending and stressing less this podcast is for you now your host he is the leading authority in the new era of practice growth founder and CEO of new patient group managing partner of right chat Speaker and consultant for Align Technology, the makers of Invisalign, author for the Benson Koppel Resource, international motivational speaker, business and life coach, Brian Wright. Hey everybody, welcome inside the broadcast booth. Hope you had a great day out there. This is somewhat of a recovery day for me. I I thought I'd sit down, get behind the mic today and, and knock out a podcast. Major recovery time we had. This is really something we do that's so cool. Our mastermind group on our, on our doctor leadership uh, side of our business with New Patient Group has just really taken off. I mean, we have the, just the greatest people in that group, such wonderful names, well-respected names in healthcare uh, that have really all come together and become a family. And we do these mini masterminds, which every couple months, I have a, a few doctors down in my house. We hang out for a few days. We cook, we swim, we talk business. We all act like we're kids. Uh, just gets everybody away from it. But amazing business chats happen from that, And just the experiences, the relationships were great. So we had Dr. Richard Portalupe, uh, Dr. Randy Wright, Dr. Ella Osborne. And what I try to do in these groups is I try to get different personalities come together. And these were three very different personalities that left uh, my house this weekend, just had a blast. Uh, They really came together, uh, built the camaraderie. And that's what, you know, new patient group, for those of you who don't know, the reason why I named it that, is one that and there's there's exceptions to this, of course, we do have a big program on the existing now, once people are in treatment, you know what 's that look like? the existing patient experience, but the majority of people out there are mainly interested in you know how do we attract more new patients, how do we close more new patients, how are we efficient experience things like that. So I wanted new patient to be in the name uh, because that is what most people are looking for. You could easily make the argument. And there's going to be a podcast about this, that your bread, your true bread and butter is not new patients. It's a big misconception in healthcare. There's companies out there, you know, the lifeline of your practice is, is your, your new patient phone call and your new patients. No, it's not the lifeline of your practice are the people that have already bought from you period end of story. I mean, we preach it internally with new patient group. Uh, You obsess over your customers 10 times more than you obsess over attracting more new ones. And when you do that, uh, your clientele becomes your sales force and it's the same way with us. And and it's just so, it's so amazing to watch just the the relationships of our existing clients and how they're learning from each other. Uh, the mastermind just has exceptional clinicians in it. So they're all talking clinical stuff. I stay out of that. I like to learn. It's cool listening, but that's not, not my forte. But just the bottles of wine and the food and the experiences that people are going to remember forever. Uh, it was fantastic. And, uh, tomorrow hopping on a plane, uh, with Kristen, my wife to Jamaica, spend a few days, try to get away to do this. We're going to shoot some new content, come up with some new ideas for the company, uh, get away for a few days, still be working that type of thing. Got some meetings to hop on. Uh, but that's the beauty of the internet, right? And hop on from anywhere. So just go away, uh, till Saturday and just, uh, have a good time and get away. And, you know, I wanted to talk, we had a conversation this weekend of, you know, we dove into just all kinds of stuff when the doctors were here. And while we have so much fun, it, it's obviously you dive into some. I have found over the years that some of the best business conversations uh, come when you have a glass of wine in your hand and some food that you're eating. And whether it be out at a nice restaurant or this time internally at the house, you know, when we were swimming together in my pool, uh, when we, I took the, doc, the doctors, we all went to NASA. Uh, for a little bit uh, because we're here in Houston. So there's a great NASA, uh, you know, space station over there. It's really neat to go over. So when you're walking through the halls there, you have a glass of wine in your hand, you're eating just amazing business conversations come with it. And, and the challenges that, that business owners face, whether you're a clinician, an office manager, or somebody that owns a business or manages or help manages a company outside of healthcare, that the challenges are all very similar. Uh, you, you all know out there the employees that shouldn't be in your office. Uh, you keep them there because you need a body. I get it's very hard to find people that even even want to work these days. Uh, so it's very hard to to find people. So a lot of you have people that are working for you that that you know in your heart of hearts uh, shouldn't be. And we got into this conversation. I I figured that because we're on this culture kick, like I said on the front end, that I would do this today and really talk about five ways that there are five essentials that you must have in all of your employees. If you have four or five is going to or four out of the five is going to put you out of business of course not, but the point here like you all hear we talk about is how you can get everything on automation. How you can get your phones to ring with new patients more in an automated fashion because your referrals consistently month over month for your whole career go up and up and up. So your advertising dollars go lower and lower and lower, especially when you learn how to convert at higher levels as well and reduce your no-shows. And if you focus on those things, inevitably what happens is you wake up one day and you grow 15, 20, 30% a year. And you're not spending any advertising. And that's what I, we were talking about with the doctors. This is somewhat a little bit off topic, but that's, that's what we do here, right? We get in the, we get in the booth and we, we have a chat with you, more like a radio program. We do this chat is that the, the joke is really on the healthcare industry. And what I mean by that is, is and we're all kind of laughing, is here, here are three doctors that all run very different business models. And it's one of the beauties of New Patient Group is we don't shove a business model down your throat. Uh, We coach you and we strategize with you and we go out and we make sure what you want out of your dream life and your dream business becomes reality. And that somewhat can be different uh, based on, uh, the personality of the doctor, the demographic they deal with, you know, where their practice is, just what they want out of their career and that the journey that it takes to get there is different for different people. But the things that are the same are no matter how you want to get there, you have to be an exceptional business owner when you're functioning in high competitive marketplace. I don't care if you're a restaurant or doctor, you guys hear me talk about all the time. You have to have exceptionally trained employees that are uniquely trained on skill sets your competition just will never commit to. And then you've got to do online marketing in a way that's, that's unique to make your, your food of your plate look prettier than everybody else's, if you will, when it comes to the table. Uh, this is so, in, in so many ways, should be such common sense, but it's not because most people, those are the three categories they suffer the greatest in. And we're sitting there talking at dinner one night just about why the joke is that here are people that are growing 20, 30% a year. I mean, they're having their best year ever, year after year, and that's standard for new patient group clients. It's 90 plus percent of our clients had their best year ever last year. 100% of our clients are having their best year uh, ever this year. And it's it's so simple yet so complex because they're doing everything that everybody else doesn't want to do and doesn't do. And the trick here is, is that if you push yourself through the pain, all of a sudden you get on this autopilot mode. And it's just unbelievable to watch. We're sitting around talking about how how everyone's spending all these marketing dollars and all this stuff on just crap, pay-per-click, that's just absolutely 100% not necessary. And all those people that are spending all these dollars, they're not growing anywhere remotely close to them. And it's this, this nice little hidden secret that if your mindset is different than the majority and you look at the business inside and out different than the majority, how much you can actually dominate. And a big piece of that in these in these business conversations we were talking about, is these, You, know, it's one thing to talk about high-level talent. It's another thing to talk about like we did in the previous podcast about how you set your business up in a way that retains high-level talent. Then you've got the question of, okay, what is high-level talent? Because everyone, I think, has their own perception. So like in sports, like one general manager may view uh, somebody with exceptional talent. Then another general manager watches that person that try out and they're, you know, they, they don't think it's exceptional talent, or maybe they think that they're even better than, than the other general manager. It's like, what are your guidelines as an office that creates this exceptional high-level talent? And I want to go through some that I do for my companies today and also what, what we teach the new patient group clients. And there can't be this in-between, and I'm going to discuss this throughout because we hear all the time, so-and-so is so great with the patients, but she's just a troublemaker internally with the team. And I'm going to touch on that subject today with one of these on why, and we talked about it in the, actually, I think both of the previous podcasts, why you can't let that happen. Now, I also, if you haven't listened, maybe this is the first time you've ever been tuned in uh, to the podcast. If, if you haven't heard me say this, uh, I'm going to say it again is that I completely empathize with all of you out there who are having a difficult time finding people to work for you. So therefore, you can't get rid of make-believe name Betty, even though you believe you should. And that's the point I was making earlier, is is all these businesses, regardless of industry, have the same problems. Like you could go to a restaurant. The restaurant owner knows what waiters are the troublemakers. But they've got to have somebody wait the tables. Right, so, so make-believe named Joey keeps his job because they've got to have enough staff to wait the tables or there's other problems that are created. Same way in dentistry, same way in opt It doesn't matter what type of doctor you are the, the, or business owner you are, the problems are the same. And I get that finding good assistance and reception, it's hard. It's hard for all of you out there. So I sympathize, I empathize with it. So just know that when I go through all of this, and I sit behind the mic and I say, look, if, if somebody doesn't have these traits, you need to be looking, you need to be looking for people that do have these traits. And, and that doesn't mean you're going to find them tomorrow, but it does mean that you should constantly be in interview mode until you come across a team that, that has what I'm going to be talking about today, because you cannot, and I see it with the new patient group Just shout out. I'm going to give a, a jet Pascal. Hey buddy, uh, become one of my best friends. Love the guy. Uh, his business model is so refined. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But, and it's a big one, he has the team that has helped him get on autopilot. Um, the team is unbelievable. His employees, literally every single one of it, is, uh, one of them as it stands today, match what I'm going to be talking about. And, and when you do that, it's the reason why he's having the best growth of his career. Shout out to you, man, Is in how you run your business. Uh, it's, he can't do that without the right players. And, and I, being his business and life coach, and him using New Patient Group for multiple things, we don't have as much success with a Jet Pascal if he doesn't have these players for us to coach that have these five things I'm going to be talking about today. And the first and foremost is that they have to be coachable. So step one, your essential ingredient, number one, if you will, that if you leave out, it's very tough for any of the rest of this to, to fall into place, is they have to be coachable. This is something when we go into a practice is, is, a, is a make or break many times because, and, and you all know who listen, I, I use sports analogies a lot, but this could be if you're in choir, you, you play piano. You know, if you have a flaw as you're playing the piano and you have a coach and the coach sits there and, and attempts to correct the flaw and you basically are giving the coach the middle finger as in, I know more than you. I've done it this way. I've played the piano for years or I've swung the bat this way for years. Who are you to tell me how to do something different? If you have that mentality, it's over for you. You're never going to improve your skill sets. You're never going to advance your career. This is me more talking at employees listening right now. But inevitably for business owners, leadership teams out there, you have to have a team that's coachable. And you've heard me talk about this on and off throughout ten thousand podcasts in the past. Is that you have to surround yourself with people that are coachable. All right, they want to be coached. Using Jet Pascal's practice again as an example, if you've listened to the podcast recently, I, I talked about Miranda there, who is, if not the best, she's she's she is she is the best hourly employee. I've ever worked with now it doesn't mean there's not other great ones it's just that she is unbelievable to the t of i mean such a note taker all the things if you listen to the i think it was the previous podcast i talked about the same the same uh employee is that she so wants to be coached in her in, in jeff's whole practice wants to be coached it's like hey they we're having a webinar session with with coach Brian or another one of the MPG coaches or coach Brian's coming to visit us like they get excited for that and even though they know they're going to be put on the spot to be to be role played with they're going to be challenged to think outside their box they're going to be challenged to think differently than than somebody that's inside the practice turn consultant would teach we teach it very differently because we're outside of the practice people we know and I have coaches on our MPG team that still work inside practices. But we have this unique perspective from outside of your world in healthcare. And we come in and look at everything and go, why? Why would you do it this way as it relates to customer service, hospitality, sales, psychology, verbiage, presentation? Why would you do it this way? And, and his team is so unbelievable with wanting to learn these new innovative ways of doing things. So the point is, and me using that as an example, is you as a business owner have to sit there and you have to make, you can make a list. And I do this all the time uh, for my clients, for new patient group clients, that is, uh, for, uh, for other businesses I'm involved with. The point is, is I sit there and make, let's say, look, you know, here are the people that are going to knock this out of the park, here are the people that are going to try to bring this program down. Because, you know, you as a business owner, when you go and you hire us, as an example, uh, the reality of the situation is, is you have to understand, I, I love the question we get, what kind of return should I expect? My, my, my response to that usually is, is what do you say when patients ask you that? Okay, it's totally dependent on whether or not the patient's compliant, Right? Invisalign is an example. You could do everything right. You could be the best clincheck setter-upper on the planet, the best rotator of teeth, you know, bicuspid on the planet. You could be the best clinician on the planet. Patient doesn't wear the trays. You know, the patient's going to come back and say you stink, right? That that's the world you all live in. It's no different than us. Same way. You know, what kind of return should I expect? Well, are you going to wear your clear liners? Are you going to hold the employees accountable if they don't wear their clear aligners properly? Uh, once they're finished with clear aligners, are you going to hold them accountable to wear the retainers? Because if they don't wear the retainers, guess what? The human body's designed to go back to how it was, and that doesn't just pertain to teeth. That pertains to everything you ever learn everything you ever learn. You have a loop in your swing. You don't keep practicing it. Once you fix it, it's going the loop's going to come back. It's the same way with your receptionist. You practice to fix their skill sets. You don't keep role-playing goes right back to how it used to be. It's guaranteed. And it's the reason why we created a division of your practice rather than a consultant. When new patient group come, when clients hire new patient group, we are not a short-term relationship. We are there for life. Because there's always something to work on, both repetitive and new. And the more coachable your team is, the more success we have with you. And it's no different than if you fly to someone else's facility and come back and you've got five of these really cool ideas. Who are the people that are going to be coachable? You have to have a team that wants to be coached. It's literally just that simple. And if you do, you can imagine all the things as a business owner you've tried to implement. As an office manager, you've tried to implement. And office managers go for you too. Like you have to be coachable. You You have to be willing to come outside of your comfort zone on how you lead the team and how you manage your time. And you have to seek advice on this stuff as well from people outside of your world. From outside of your world. And if you're coachable and you have a team that's coachable, it's unbelievable what can happen to your organization. But it starts with being coachable. Most of everything else, with, with one exception, maybe two that I'm going to be talking about today, starts with whether or not people are even coachable to begin with. So that's one, all right? If, if you're listening to this, you know who's coachable on your team, whether it's clinical skill sets, hand skills, that you're trying to teach, if that's what it is, or if it's something non-clinical, you know inside your mind who's coachable and who is not. Who wants to be coached? Let's put it that way. You already know before you even get into your weekly meeting who's going to be receptive, positive about the criticism, the critiques, the coaching, and who's going to basically have the screw you attitude. You already know that. And that goes for every business owner on the planet you have waiters at your restaurant, you know the ones that are going to work on their verbiage skills and ones that are going to say whatever whenever you're not looking, which will lead me to another one here in just a minute. The other one, and this is number two, is the desire to implement the coaching that they learn. Usually, and this is the beauty of this, usually people that want to be coached The second one I'm about to start talking about, you're good. Very rarely do people on the surface say, I want to be coached and then have no desire to go implement it. Usually the two go hand in hand, but there's exceptions to that. And it's why this is one of the rules. Like you can't just say, okay, coach me. And then leadership team turns their back. And person doesn't have any desire in actually implementing it. It's basically the fool's game, right? Like I'm gonna pretend I care, but I actually don't. And this does happen and it does happen a lot. While still the exception to the rule, it happens more than you would think. This is why, and I teach it all the time, a lot of times the people you think are your best employees, once you really challenge them and set your business up in a way where you have easy oversight, you have week to week Uh, you know, meetings where people are role-playing to show their improvement. Uh, When you really are putting your business on autopilot, like we so heavily teach and are very successful with our clients, sometimes the ones you always thought were great prove to be out just for themselves. They've been BSing you the entire time. And while, again, it's the exception, it absolutely happens is that your team has to have, and this goes back to why, and it's always, and this is just me speaking off the cuff and being honest, it's always, and why when the doctors were here at the house this weekend for a few days, it's why, the, it's why the, the trick is on the rest of the industry because it's so simple. It doesn't have to be hard. It's so simple. But it, it's the few things that are also the hardest to fight through the pain on. Like you looking in the mirror as a business owner and say, look, I'm gonna hire a coach that's gonna constantly push me outside my comfort zone and make sure I'm held accountable for doing things on time and being a real business owner. Of course that produces a higher return than anything else you'll ever do. Of course it does, but it's the least invested in. Why? It's not easy. It's hard looking in the mirror. Just is. It's hard for everybody. Hard for me. hard. But there's a reason why 75% of billionaires, the number one trait of billionaires is that they have a coach. There's a reason for it. Because the people that implement, those win. And this trick in the industry, the other one is is training your people on what they do every day. Even your clinical team of what they do is non-clinical because anytime they're talking, that is a non-clinical skill set. Sure, they've got to have the clinical knowledge to, to spit out the words, but it's got to be spit out in a way that's sales oriented, that's experience oriented, that's psychologically oriented, all of this stuff to build value in the mind of the person to go do it, to follow your protocols, to show up at their time, to have the right hygiene come back to their appointments, all of that stuff, and then the marketing. But the reason why we do the culture, among other reasons, that first one I was talking about, and why the trick is on the entire industry, is that, see, all of these things, when you set your business up in a way, if if you have employees that hit the things I'm talking about today, you're not going to believe how much you skyrocket your growth, but it's still on your shoulders, meaning... And this is why it all ties together with these other podcasts that I'm doing. Meaning that you could, you could take somebody that wants to be coached, they want to implement, they're willing to implement, number two that I'm talking about, they're willing to implement these things when you're not looking. But just like the previous podcast I've talked about, if you allow the crap to hang around and them to constantly create negative vibes, constantly not doing the training that you want done, it brings the good ones down. So you can actually take somebody that wants to be coached, wants to implement this stuff, and you can actually make them not want to. And that's why it goes back to how you run the show. Culturally, it's still on your shoulders. Now, your employees are responsible for culture as well. I'm going to be talking about that here in just a minute. But it still sits inevitably on your shoulders, so the ones who aren't coachable, they have no inter- no interest in being coached. They have no interest, and the second one I talk about, they have no interest in implementing things when you're not looking. Like actually taking the coaching and implementing it, taking the idea off the shelf and implementing it. If you don't organically weed those people out of your organization, it is a guaranteed way to lose your good people. Guaranteed. I see it time and time again with organizations that commit to getting rid of their crap no matter how hard it can be sometimes. the beginning, I said I empathize with it. I empathize how hard it is to find people and even you've got to have somebody there. I totally get it. But you still have to set your business up in a way where you organically are weeding these people out. So number one, have the desire to be coached. Starts there. Two, the desire to implement it when you are not looking. Remember, you're only as good as your weakest link. And that goes back to what we talk about so much with our new patient group clients, is this whole thing is a thousand piece puzzle that you're putting it all together. You're putting it all together to create this brand image of uniqueness, innovation, that you're unforgettable, you're memorable. But the way humans are, I'm going to do a podcast about this in the future. The way humans are, you mess up once, that's what they remember. So if you have a team that's great, but you have Susie, make-believe name over in the corner, that's not willing to implement this stuff when you're not looking, Susie brings the entire operation down because the patient having one negative experience or one that's not as positive as otherwise could, creating an unforgettable experience that can keep you from getting a referral. It can keep you from getting a five-star review. Worst case scenario is it can also cause a one-star review and other people in the community to see it and hear about it. So they've got to have the desire to implement it. They have to be willing to implement it. And that leads us to number three. We hear so much about the things, the skill sets employees need to have, what is a good employee, things like that. And it really is not that hard. You know, an athlete. Athletes have to be coachable. If you have a team of athletes that are coachable, you're automatically ahead of the competition that has maybe even more talent than you as an organization, but has people that aren't willing to be coached. Period. Same way with number two that I just talked about. If you're in a sports organization and you have players that want to be coached and then players that desire to implement that coaching, you're automatically ahead of the organization number two that has non or you know players that don't want to be coached, they're uncoachable, and then also players that aren't willing to implement the coaching, the feedback. It's like, hey, you got a loop in your swing. You've got, you're putting, you know, little side spin on your jump shot. You're slicing the golf ball. Here's how to correct those things. Eh, whatever he's talking about, do it my way, figure it out on my own. You know, the sports organizations that have one and two that I've talked about so far, they're going to dominate year over year. Now there's exceptions. Everyone has down years. Every business has a down year. It's about then how you come back. So over time, you're always going to dominate the sports organizations that don't have those things, one and two. And it's the same way here is that you have to have the talent. And this is number three. You've heard me talk about this in the previous podcast and other podcasts about if you want your employees to climb trees, you better hire squirrels, okay? That's what number three is, is that you have to have team members, that can effectively implement the coaching. These are three huge ones that I'm talking about. They have, to have, they, they have to be coachable. They have to have the desire to implement the coaching when you're not looking. And then they have to have the talent to effectively implement the coaching because those are two different things. I talked about it more in the previous podcast. You I mean, make sure to listen to it. The reality is, is you can take an athlete, you can take an employee, and that athlete and that employee may have all the desire in the world to be coached. Brian, please make me better. Please, take Miranda as an example. I've talked about her last podcast, talking about her again today. So let's take Miranda again from Jet Pasco's practice. Okay, let's say using her, she's coachable. She's as coachable as it gets. And it makes the job so fun. To the employees listening, and you know who you are, Because honestly, the employees wouldn't listen to this podcast if they weren't these things. Like the employees are like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to go to work, go home, miss my life. They're not going to be listening to this podcast. So the employees we have listen to this podcast, like they're obsessed with improving themselves. So let's say Miranda, she's coachable. Two, let's say Miranda... Uh, which she is. She has the desire to implement the coaching. But let's say, and this is this is make believe because she does have the talent. But let's say she then just didn't have the talent to be able to do it. Now, using the sports organ- analogy, like always, same way. Athlete could come every day and say, "Coach, I've got this loop in my swing, side spin on my jump shot. I want to fix it. Let's get in the batting cage. Let's get in the basketball court. Great. All right. You've got number one. You've got a coachable person. Two. They're willing when you're not looking to continue practicing and do everything they can to implement that coaching in the game. Boom, two out of two. But then you realize over the course of time, look, this athlete simply does not have the talent to do it. And those are the hard business decisions because those are the people you really like, you feel for because they probably work harder than anybody on the team, but they just don't have the God-given talent. And you have to understand as a business owner, I don't care how nice and hardworking Susie, your receptionist, is or Timmy, your your ortho assistant, dental assistant, you know, your tech and plastic surgery, which they call them. You know, I don't care how nice and hardworking they are. There comes a time that if they can't do it, they can't do it. And those are hard because you usually fall in love with those people. And you wish them the best. You wish that they could do it because of how much you like them. And everybody knows this employee that I'm talking about. Everybody has one or they have had one. And this is a difficult, difficult, it's always easy or easier to dismiss dismiss somebody from your organization that you know has no interest in being coached and that you can't trust whenever, whenever whenever they are coached, meaning that they have no desire to implement it. Everybody knows those employees. Those are much easier to get rid of. But if they have those traits and you realize one day, oh, darn it, they're just never going to be able to get this, that's hard. And we see that with receptions. Like, hey, turn in turn, this new economy that, that we teach with the new way you've got to handle your new patient call. And it's so frustrating that people still use this outdated phone training from companies, some have big names, some don't, that, that used to teach when there was no competition, they used to teach these skill sets that some of them are still important, but it's no longer the meat and potatoes of the call. Because the call now is a sales call. It's a sales pitch in your organization, period, end of story. That word scares you, you need to call us so we can explain more what we mean by that. Because it shouldn't scare you. But the reality is, is your receptionist is a salesperson. You know, by the time they've, that you pick up the phone, they're the second, third, fourth, fifth one they've talked to. So you've got to have a unique skill set. But if, if you say, hey, I'm going to take this boring blah generally rude personality person, and I'm going to turn them into a massively incredible receptionist, you're dreaming. Because they aren't a squirrel that's going to climb a tree. That's a a pig or a dog, as an example, that you're wanting to climb a tree. It's not possible. No matter how long and how hard you train them, it literally is not possible to get a dog to climb a tree. They don't have the skill sets. So no matter how much the dog says, you know, please coach me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna practice and try to implement when you're not looking. I'm gonna try to climb that tree. The reality is you're never gonna be able to. And that is a challenge and that's number three. They have to have the talent to actually do it. That's a big miss by business owners because those people tend to hang around organizations longer because they're usually very good people. And a lot of times they have the other traits that I'm talking about, but they cost you so much business over the course of time by not having the actual talent to implement these things. And again, whether it be our company, and the beauty, again, what we do with so many of you new patient group clients out there, shout out to all of you, all of you know this, is it's well beyond our program. It's okay, you know, you, you bring aboard dental monitoring. Now you turn to new patient group to actually make sure it's effectively implemented. People are using it. It's not just a tool that sits there. Like how do you use it to increase your sales? Smile snap people out there, you know, Invisalign, like you've got all this, scan every patient with the iTero machine that that's you. People are just thrown at, you know, doctors are told that all the time, but there's so much more than that. It's not just that easy. It's so much more than that. So you have all these things, all these pieces to your puzzle that we're bringing together it goes well beyond the new patient group program. And it's so Powerful. But the talent with all of those, dental monitoring, you're doing Invisalign, you're scanning. It's the same thing. Let's take the scan. Let's take the iTero scanner or whatever scanner you use. Let's use this as an example for right now. You know, you could sit there and train a TC. You could sit there and train uh, a, an ortho coach. That's what we call assistance in, or in orthodontic practices. It's not going to go into why we do that, but Uh, It's an unbelievably successful experience model we implement for people in treatment and orthodontic practice. unbelievable the transformation that takes place from compliance, referrals, experience, really cool. But let's say whatever it is, make-believe, name Betty. If you're trying to train Betty on how to take her scan time from 10 minutes to 6, okay, and then you say, Betty, we're going to then once you get to 6... We want to take you to five. And eventually, we'd like to see you under three. All right, let's say that's your process that you're trying, to, you're trying to get to. All right, if that's what you're trying to do, great. You should be trying to do that. You should be role-playing with her. You should take a person that is a three-minute scanner or under at your office and put her in charge of making sure everybody else can get it to that time too. But the point is, is that eventually you have to realize if she isn't doing it over the course of time, she not have the talent to do it. It's so critically important. So they have to be coachable. They have to be willing to implement the coaching when you're not looking. And three, they've got to have the talent to effectively implement the coaching when you're not looking. Very, very, very important three skill sets. The fourth one, you could make an argument which one of these is most important and I've kind of challenged myself on for years which one is most important and I'm gonna I'm gonna say two things one I, I think it's a journey meaning that if you pull one of these that I'm talking about the rest of them crumble like I said you know number one they're coachable great number two uh, they have the desire to implement it when you're not looking. And then three, they don't have any talent. Well, the first two are are worthless. Like, it's nice. But inevitably, if they don't have the talent, it crumbles. But then you come to number four. And then we're going to lead into number five. Then you come to number four, and it's it's the desire... To fix mistakes. They care enough to fix mistakes. I I tell people all the time. This is like one of my biggest go-tos. When you obsess over your customers as a company, it is a never-ending daily grind of constant internal shuffle, of constant training, discussion, strategizing, late nights. And I'm not trying to say, hey, look, for you to obsess over your patients as a practice or your customers as a business, it's always going to be hard work. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to take it. And I, and I talked about the doctors who were here this past weekend. And, and, I, and I, we had this discussion. Is that I personally stay up late every night, seven days a week, constantly with my clients, the new patient group clients and right chat clients on my mind. Always. I have to admit I'm a little nuts because I don't expect our clients to constantly have their patients on their mind. But the reality is it is what's made new patient group grow like we have without advertising. Like you want to talk about competition. You think as a practice, you have competition. Try doing what we do. Now we're the only company in the world that does it all under one roof. And there's other unique value propositions as well. But there's a trillion companies in some form or fashion that try to claim they do what we do, even though they don't do it the way we do. But the point is, is that it's insane competition to get your word out there. And we've done it without ever advertising. And that's exactly how we teach the practices. How do you dominate the competition without spinning a nickel on advertising or minimize it as much as possible? But when you obsess over your customers, you win. And I'm bringing this up because number four is fixing your mistakes. And you're always, as a company and as an employee, you're always gonna make them. And the better you try to be, the more mistakes come about. Because if you just don't care, eh, whatever, yeah, whatever. If you're trying to be perfect for your customers, you're going to make mistakes. It's just that simple. So I shouldn't say the more you care, the more mistakes. That's not true. So I'm going to take that back. I didn't say that right. But the more you obsess over your customers, the more you're going to care about fixing your mistakes. So it's not about as an employee... It's not about, or to the leadership teams, it's not about your people not making mistakes. You can't sit there and go, you know what, Janice just makes, she makes too many mistakes. Now, she can't make so many, she just becomes a mess. But the question you have to ask yourself as a leader when looking at your employees is who are the ones that when they mess up, they care enough to fix it without dragging everybody else down. They try to find a solution to it. Maybe read a book. Maybe seek advice to be trained more so it doesn't happen again. Like they try to find a solution to fix the problem. They care enough to fix the problem. And that is an invaluable trait. And like I said, you could you could take any one of these and say this is the biggest one. But again, it all goes back because if you're coachable, you're willing to implement the coaching, you have the talent all of, to, to implement the coaching, all of those you're still going to make mistakes. So the question becomes, if if a mistake is made and nobody knows about it, are you going to fix it? If a mistake is made and everybody knows about it, are you going to fix it? Are you one that is going to just, yeah, whatever, it's just a mistake, it's not my business, so what? Do you care enough to fix the mistake? It's sad, but a lot of companies aren't And a lot of employees aren't. Like, we make mistakes. I tell every time, we're not perfect. God, we're far from it. We certainly strive for perfection. But we're never going to get there. Nobody is. And how boring would that be? Because you never get to learn anything. But boy, oh boy, if we have a problem, do we have the company designed in a way where people get to call cell phone numbers of people they actually know they're not calling some ridiculous 800 number with or submitting trouble tickets no they they've got our numbers they call us and boy oh boy do we get to work right away now if there's if you know it may take it may be a problem that maybe takes a week or maybe a problem that takes 5 minutes the point is it is corrected and rarely does it happen again that's the other one is you kind of got a two-pronged approach here meaning one Do they care enough to fix the mistake? Two, part of that is, is do they keep making the same mistake over and over again? You know, that's a sign, by the way, that they don't have number three. Because number three, going back to, do they have the talent to actually effectively implement the coaching? Well, if they make a mistake, well, guess what? They may fix it. But if they do it again and again and again, it may not mean they don't care. It may mean they simply do not have the talent to do and execute their job. And that as a business owner, you've got to constantly be looking at these things. Because you have to eventually have a team, like I'm describing Jet Pascals, where he gets to wake up every single day. And again, this is a lot to his doing because he's got the right culture there. His office manager, Lisa, shout out to Lisa. She's coachable. She wants to implement this stuff when nobody's looking. You know, She's got the talent to implement it when nobody's looking. If a mistake is made as an organization to fix it, the, the point is is it all goes back in here. As Jep gets to wake up every day, go into his practice, and all of these things, boom, all the team members have. It's on autopilot. They're kicking butt, growing like crazy, and they don't spend a nickel on advertising. And it just drives me crazy, everybody listening out. That's why, again, the doctors, we're all having cocktails, having fun together, just laughing, going the jokes on everybody else. It's like the growth formula is right here, right in front of you. Right in front of you. And very few people take a bite out of that apple. That fruit formula, if you will. Because they're looking for the instant overnight fix and it doesn't exist. And if you're looking for that, it's only going to delay your actual growth. You've got to be willing to fix your mistakes as an employee. You've got to be willing to fix your mistakes. So You've got to be coachable. You have to have a team that's coachable. They want to be coached on the things you're investing your money in. They have to have the desire to implement it when nobody's looking. They have to have the talent to actually do it. And like I said, that's different than having the desire to want to do it. They have to have the talent that will allow them to do it. And then they have to be able to fix their mistakes. They have to be willing to fix their mistakes. And again, they have to have the talent to be able to fix their mistakes. And they also have to have the talent to not keep in the, you know, making the same mistake over and over again. And by the way, attention to detail is a talent. You can teach it. You can talk about it. You can inspire people. You can motivate people as much as you want. But attention to detail is also a God-given talent. It doesn't mean that you can't get better at it if you don't have it. But if you do have it organically and then you're coached, your attention to detail can go to levels is pretty unbelievable. Because again, you can't keep making the same mistake over and over and over again and fixing it and having that be number four. Number four again is is if a mistake happens, they fix it. And it doesn't keep happening again and again and again. And you sit here as a business owner this is why I do this. I write these things out because this is what I expect with new patient groups, what we expect with RightChat. The reality of the situation is mistakes happen. It's okay. You know, with RightChat, they may have a bad, a bad phone call. Although our agents are so good with RightChat, they don't have bad phone calls, but they may miss two or three things that I'm looking for that the client would never even think of, right? So when we hear that, we coach, the employee wants to be coached. Two, they'll implement it when we're not looking. Three, they have the talent to implement it when we're not looking, or they have they have the talent to effectively implement it. And four, when they make a mistake, they correct it and rarely does it happen again. And that's how you autopilot all this stuff. That's how you impress customers, clients, patients with experience. Because if the inevitable goal is the best experience for you as a business owner and leadership team, best experience for your employees, and that organically translates to the best experience for the customer-client patient. This is how you get there, among other reasons, but you can't get there without a team that has these traits. You will always lose millions in your career with lost opportunities if your employees don't have all of these traits. Last one, number five. Last but certainly not least... You could easily make the argument, again, these are not in the order of importance. These are in order of a story and a journey that if you take one out, it all crumbles. And you could rework these. But the point is, you've got to have these traits as an employee, employees listening. This is how, and I'm going to be doing our our MPG Innovate uh, coming up. I'm going to be doing this topic and it's about the five ways you can make more money as an employee. Like how to get the most out of your professional career and make the most money. These are the five. I'm just going to be speaking to you instead of the leadership team in that. These are the five. If you want to get consistent raises as an employee, this is how you do it. Leadership team, please do not bonus people or excuse me, please do not give people raises based on longevity at your office. It is ridiculous. Don't, don't, don't say to everybody too, if everyone we hit 100,000 or 200,000 in production this month, everybody gets X, okay? It, it's such an outdated way of bonusing. It doesn't mean that you can't have team goals where everybody gets a reward, but this whole, the, the reality is this is why. Because if you hit 100,000 in a production as a goal... And three people out of your five team members had everything to do with it, and the other two constantly were detracting from it, making the other three work harder to get there, and everyone gets a reward. That is so ridiculous. I've never understood it. And we're going to have, down the road, we're going to have podcasts about bonusing and job descriptions and rethinking all of that. That's just a quick piece. Because number five is... They have to obsess, leadership team, this is me talking to you now. You have to have people that obsess over their fellow employees, your clients, your customers, your patients, and also you, your business. Remember this, you're the clinician. You went to years of school you came out in debt. It is your dream that you have worked your butt off for to come out, open up a place and change the lives of many, many people from a patient's perspective. Your employees and your team have to obsess over your success. This whole Every single time we ask an hourly employee to do something extra, they complain, they want a bonus, they want to raise Is bull. Goes back to, again, we're using Jet Pascal's team. And, and there's obviously a lot of other new patient group clients as well, but I love, using, I love using their example because they have a big team. Bigger the team, more the headaches, the more the moving parts, the more you better have your business set up in a way where you're not constantly losing the good ones. Their team obsesses over him. Their team is proud to show up to work every single day and represent him. Their team is proud that he's a global trusted speaker. Their team is proud of what a ridiculously awesome forward-thinking clinician he is. And for the listeners out there, that is rare and you know it. You know whether or not you have a team or you know which employees in your office obsess over your success. You know, they, they're not this, oh, well, well, we hit 200,000 in collections this month and, and the doctor gets to drive this car. Where's my cut of the... Those people you got to get rid of. It's a loser mindset. It's unfortunate it, we live in a society where instead of if you happen to be wealthy and you got there because you worked your butt off, that we don't honor those people and teach other people the skill sets and the work ethic and the desire and the motivation and the consistency and the repetition and the hard times that those people go through to get to the place where they have success. Now, what we do is just look at the success and somehow try to say, "Ah, well, you're lucky and you've got to give more and all that stuff. It's really sad. It's a recipe. It's a really a recipe for somewhat of a disaster. Because the point is, is you're as a business owner, you have to have a team that obsesses over you, obsesses over your success, respects the fact that you work your butt off in high school to get into dental school, whatever school you are, you went to. Then additionally, ortho school if you're an orthodontist, plastic surgeons listening, they go to more years of school than literally every type of doctor on the planet from a training perspective. Does your team does they honor that? Do they understand and respect that? Because if they do, you have a gem as an employee. It makes life so much easier. You can you can implement things at will. You don't have to be scared about hiding numbers from people. You know, it's a family. This is a testament to our Right Chat team. It's a testament to the new patient group team. The the cultures. I, I love our people. I really do. I want the best for them personally. I want the best for them professionally. I work my butt off and have for years on on the new patient group side, especially because it's been open around almost 10 years now. I do so with really two people in mind. Sure. Is my family part of that? Of course it is. Do I want certain things out of life? Yeah, of course. So it's not that it's not in my mind, but the main things in my mind are my employees and contractors and our clients period, period. I obsess over all of them getting the most out of their life professionally and personally. And I work my butt off for it. And we do well as a company. We're still in the growth process. We're still not known in the scheme of things. But we don't have to worry about people going, well, you had this kind of month and you're growing and you're bringing aboard all these people and blah, blah, blah. And where's Mike? We don't have to worry about that here. And it's so nice. And you need to have that in your organization as well. Because a big part of what this is, having these five essentials from an employee standpoint is a more fun experience for you as a business owner. You can't walk around on pins and needles as a business owner. That's bull. You can't have that experience. You can't be dealing with and expect to be a great clinician, a great CEO, a great entrepreneur, a great business person, a great marketing person, a great multitasker, learn all this new stuff all the time, clinically and non-clinically, and then have to worry about make-believe named Timmy getting pissed off if all of a sudden you have a great month and his bonus wasn't how he wanted it. Can't happen. And you know the people in your office, like I said, for all of these Every business owner, whether they know it or not, knows who these people are and aren't inside their office, period. After obsessing over you and your business, and that requires, you know what? That, that means doing things that sometimes you don't want to do. Like, we don't magically wake up and expect your whole organization to look forward to coming to work for your weekly meeting that day. That start that's from eight to nine, the first thing Monday morning. It's, it's role play time. We don't expect the whole organization to go, yeah, woohoo! I get the I get the role play today, and yeehaw! We're not expecting that. But in their heart of hearts, they know it's best for your business and your success. Period. The ironic thing, if you fight through that pain, I've seen it time and time again, is six months, a year goes by and all of a sudden they love those meetings because they realize the better they improve their skill sets, the better position they're put in to handle all the non-clinical things that make up 90% of your practice every single day, the more success they have in front of the patient and the more when they go and ask you for a raise, the more willing you are to say yes because now they added their to their value proposition as an employee and they realize that the only people that exist in your organization are high-level talent. So they've got to keep up with the high-level talent. There are no bench players. Not that bench players are bad. Hey, in sports, you got to have your role players. Happens in the playoffs all the time. We see it time and time again. Every sport, every team sport, that is. You know, usually what makes a team in the NBA as an example, inevitably win the championship. Sure. The superstars, are they the biggest part of it? They always are. Your superstar plays like crud. You typically don't win NBA championships. But the point is, is that there's always every year the team that wins it. There's role players that come out of the blue and have big games, whether it's points, whether they make, you know, multiple defensive stops, a combination of both, you get the point. They have to obsess over you as a business owner, period. They also have to obsess over their fellow team members. And this goes into also sometimes doing the things that they don't want to do, meaning Judy may be behind on a few things. So Timmy, does he come in willingly without being asked, by the way, and say, Judy, I know you're behind. Let me stay late, knock out some things for you. Okay, and then if he obsesses over your business enough, he may not even ask to be asked to be paid for it. And employees, by the way, is a very short-term mindset. If you go, hey, I'm gonna do more, so I need to be paid more. It's the hourly employee syndrome. I'm gonna talk about in another podcast. See it all the time. If I do more, I gotta be paid more. You get into this, this I get paid for my time thing. What you don't remember though, is if you go the extra mile, I'm not saying every day, But occasionally, if you go the extra mile without being asked to pay for it, and then you go someday and ask for a raise, you're more likely to get it because you're increasing your value proposition. The business owner knows you're willing to do whatever it takes for that organization to succeed. So as you get raises because of that, you're going to make far more than if you nickel and dime yourself by working a little bit more to help another team member. And that's how all this is intertwined. You have to obsess, leadership team, you have to have people that obsess over each other. Does everybody have to be buddy-buddy? No. But it is a farce and a bunch of bull for the people who think, eh, they don't get along or do anything outside of work, but they're fine internally, bull. I want all of you to have a team that wants to hang out together. Doctor, you invite everybody over to your house sometime for a big grill out, a get-together. You spend time with each other. You know each other's families. I love that about New Patient Group and how close we get with our customers. If you don't think that builds an additional trust factor and a closeness and a tight relationship and a bond that inevitably helps the practice grow, you're crazy. And I do it because I love the experience, going I remember those things for the rest of my life. It's important to get the business owner, the doctor out of there, come to my house for a weekend, act like a 10-year-old, have a blast, have some business chat, go back refreshed. But I also do it because I sincerely care about these people. And hopefully as a doctor, you do that with your team, but also I hope your team members care enough and obsess over their fellow employees to want to do things together. And again, are you going to go out of business if they don't? No, but the point goes back to your experience, putting your business on autopilot, reducing, eliminating headaches, stresses, advertising costs. All of this goes into it. I mean, can you imagine an environment where, you know, once a month, everyone's over at your house, you guys are grilling out, cooking, having some cocktails, discussing life and business and, and just having family members playing with each other I mean, that, that, is, that is always going to create a bond that inevitably when people get to work, inevitably they are going to want to do more for each other because they have the relationship. Period, end of story. And it goes back to it's going to make your life easier. The other piece to this, you've heard me talk about this, and this drives me nuts, is this whole, well, you know, we have this hygienist as an example, or we have this ortho assistant and boy, they're just so good with the patients, but they just cause all kinds of turmoil inside the practice. You know, the team doesn't really like her, but boy, she's good with our patients. Bull. You've got to get that out of your mind no different than an athlete that's good in the court, stinks in the locker room. You can't have those people because the ones that stink in the locker room are affecting, I don't care, maybe they are good on the court, maybe they are good with your patients, but what are they doing to the performance of the other three people on your team or other seven people on your team that want to be coached, that want to do this stuff, but their morale is brought to the floor because of the jerk that's, that's acting that way to them. It is hurting your experience for you. It's hurting the experience for your team and inevitably hurting your experience in more ways than you can even imagine for your customer, client, patients. Period. So, this whole, ah, she's great with the patients, stinks with the team, but that's okay because we need a body and she's good with the patients. It's okay. I'm going to let it stick. You are losing money like you cannot believe. And no matter how good you think she is, ah, she makes sales, we get treatment out of hygiene, or the ortho assistant gets referrals left and right, blah, 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 blah. You know it as well as I do because most organizations have at least one. The people that are quote unquote good with your customer stink with your employees. You can't have it. You want a culture that's brought to the floor? That's how you do it. You want a culture that gets rid of high level talent and keeps the crap? Have people like that. And I'm really glad we're doing this podcast today because it really ties in to the past, you know, two, three, four podcasts we've done. There's some repetition here, but it's bringing it all together in this journey of what you have to be looking for as a business owner. Every time you want somebody to do something, they can't be paid for it. That mentality immediately means they're not obsessed with your success, they're obsessed only with them, and they're very short-term minded. Now, a lot of this stuff goes into coaching, leadership, and things like that. It goes back to some of the stuff is on your shoulders. But most of the things I'm talking about today lies on the shoulders of the people you're hiring. And these are the conversations you need to be having in the interview process, like, Janice, are you coachable? Now, of course, they're going to say yes. I mean, if they say no, obviously, there's a and they're not even smart enough to lie during during the interview process. So, of course, you know, you're going to overlook those people. But it goes beyond that. So, Janice, you're coachable. Okay, so here's a couple things we expect at the office. Let me hear you. Uh, you know, there's a new patient call come in. I want you to answer that call. Go. Okay, all right, that's good. Well, here's how we do it at our office. Here are three tips. Um, I want you to role play again. I want to see you implement those. Go. like These are the things you have to to be interviewing like. Of course, you're interviewing new assistants. You got to be asking them to to role play setting up a tray. You got to be asking them, okay, now I want you to ask for a referral or a video testimonial. Like, You've got to see them in action. And then you've got to practice with them to teach them the skill sets to see if they're coachable. Are they willing to implement it? Do they have the talent? If they make a mistake, are they willing to fix it? And inevitably, all of this comes down to do they now then obsess, and this is still part of number five, over your customers, your clients, and your patients. See, there's this thing in healthcare. It's like, okay, I'm done with my patient. I have to clean my, my area. I've got to do all these things in order to get the next patient. Okay, While all fine and good and true, That stuff isn't as important as making sure Betty that just walked through the door as a patient is seen on time and greeted immediately. Like, the patient experience comes first. And in healthcare, it tends to come after I do all my stuff. And I get why, but it's just a mentality shift. Or new patient walks through the door. They're sitting down. You're telling me there isn't somebody that can greet him immediately and bring him back? Of course there is. You may have to strategize. You may have to practice. You may have to figure it out. But of course it is because that's how you have an unforgettable experience. They have to obsess over your patient, customer, client. Everything has to be with a mentality of I'm going to do it because it's best for the customer, period. And when you have that mentality goes back to, that means they're obsessing over the success of your business. They have to obsess over your patient, customer, client base, period. The customer and their fellow employees and your business, they've got to obsess over all of them. And guys, you know the people in your office that fit these skill sets. And when you listen to the prior podcast And new patient group clients, when we're working with you, this is what we're trying to do. We want your business set up in a way that the good ones are always going to be there. Now, of course, one of them's married to a husband that gets transferred. One of them gets pregnant. There's always circumstances, right? But what you can't have are your good people leaving because maybe they're offered a couple more bucks an hour somewhere. Or your good people leaving because you let the crap bring them down to the point where they couldn't take it. And every business has that happen. And if, you're, if you believe that your good people have left and it's not your fault, I got to say again, that's why it's hard to look in the mirror. You've got to look in the mirror. You have to have a team. And imagine your world if you have a team that wants to be coached. They want to implement it the best way they can when you're not looking. They actually have the talent to accomplish that. If they make mistakes, they're going to fix it and figure it out, and they're not going to make repetitive mistakes, and then they obsess over you, your success, your employees, and your customers. Imagine what that world looks like for you. Strive to make sure that is in, those five things are in every single team member, and you will not believe the future success you will have. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Looking forward to next month's podcast. A lot of really, we're, we're going to get some crazy stuff coming. We got some really good ones over the next few years, uh, or excuse me, next few months uh, to lead into December. Remember, uh, November will be our last podcast. Still quite a few more to go. I guess there's that's five, uh, four or five more to go this this year and this season. Looking forward to that because we're going to start getting into some really advanced stuff and uh, really looking forward to the rest of the season. This season's been great. I got a lot of a lot of just thank yous coming from some of the episodes this year. And it, it's like it, like we teach. Like I, I obsess over all of you. So anything that this is doing to help your life, your business, combination of both, means the world to me. It's why we sit behind the mic and constantly work hard to do it. Uh, hope this episode helped you out a lot. Hope all of them do. I uh, love you all. Appreciate the support. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.